Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Youth Hoops Pod presented by Pro Skills Basketball. Today, you are listening to part one of our skill development and preparing for the next level webinar featuring special guests Steph Curry's trainer, Brandon Payne, former six year pro and PSB Denver director, Ross Schrader, and finally, 12 year pro and PSB Raleigh director, JJ Miller. This is a previously recorded webinar that will cover all things skill development and preparing for the next level. We hope you enjoy and stay tuned for part two tomorrow. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a PSB webinar based on skill development and preparing for the next level. Really excited to have all you guys joining us, and we're in for a special treat tonight. Got some really good, knowledgeable basketball minds uh, to discuss the the area of skill development and, and what young players can do to prepare for the next level of their playing careers. Um, I'm PSB co-founder Logan Kosmalski. I'll be moderating our talk tonight with with everybody, um, and I'm going to start off by just kind of kicking it to everybody um, that's on this panel allowing them to introduce themselves really quickly. And then I will encourage everybody to, we do have a question and answer box, submit questions. Um, Chris Goodrum, who's on your screen right now, will be uh, fielding those questions and and kicking them to the group. So please be as interactive as as possible and submit questions to to our very very knowledgeable panelists. And uh, hopefully we we walk away from this with, um, with a better understanding of skill development and how we can all prepare the next level of our playing career. So um, with that, I'll kick it to our guys and allow them to introduce themselves. And I guess I'll start off with uh, with JJ. Can you introduce yourself? Hey guys, uh, that's uh, really exciting and I'm happy to be up here today. I'm JJ Miller, former professional basketball player, um, played for 15 years overseas, um, was in a few training camps um, with the Atlanta Hawks and the Charlotte Bobcats, uh, played division one basketball at North Carolina A&T, uh, had a solid career there, I should say. And, um, you know, I, I just, I'm a hardworking guy, you know, normal guy. I, I played at every level from beginner and sitting on the bench to working my way into starting roles and being able to earn some money to play. And now I'm the director of Pro Skills Raleigh, um, which is super exciting to um, be a part of and just trying to help other players get better and uh, achieve their goals in basketball. Awesome. Thanks, JJ. Um, how about uh, Ross? Can you introduce yourself? Yeah, thanks. Uh, I'm Ross Schrader. Uh, I'm the director of Pro Skills in Denver, Colorado. Uh, I've been doing it for about six years. I was in uh, Charlotte for a year before that with uh, Logan and Brendan helping them get going when, when Pro Skills was just beginning. Uh, I'm also a varsity head basketball coach at Bishop Matchbuff High School in Denver. Um, before that, uh, before I joined Pro Skills, I played Pro Hoops in Spain for six years. Uh, played briefly in Italy as well. Um, I played college hoops at UC Irvine, uh, D1 hoops in the Big West. Anybody who knows their mascot gets bonus points. Um, and I'm a Denver native, went to Denver East High School. And uh, yeah, looking forward, like JJ said, really looking forward to having this discussion here with some good people and uh, ready to get it going. Awesome. Thanks, Ross. Um, how about uh, last one, Brandon, can you treat yourself? Yeah, yeah, Logan, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. My name is Brandon Payne. I'm the uh, founder of Accelerate Basketball here in Charlotte, North Carolina. And um, for the past 10 years, I've been Stephen Curry's personal skills coach and his uh, performance coach. And uh, in addition to Stephen, I've worked in the past few years with, with Trey Young, Luka Doncic, um, 
Damian Lee and, and Seth Curry and, and Cam Reddish. Those are the guys that I'm responsible for at the NBA level. And uh, here in Charlotte, my staff handles and, and works with some kids in the area. And, and my two sons, Carson and Colin, I'm, I'm their head skill uh, development guy as well. So that, that pretty much sums <laughs> up what I do right now. Yeah, thanks, Brandon. That's, um, and lastly, Chris, can you introduce yourself really quickly? Yeah, absolutely. Hey, hey, guys, I'm uh, Chris Goodrum. I'm the uh, Charlotte Director for Pro Skills Basketball. Uh, grateful that all of you are here. Grateful for our panelists. Um, I, you know, I don't I don't have a fancy story like uh, Ross or JJ or anyone. I've been I've been playing basketball all, all my life. I grew up playing travel ball, um, grew up playing both travel ball and travel uh, basketball. So I know that grind when it comes to the summertime, played through high school. But then after that, really couldn't make the jump. Uh, believe it or not, for anybody that knows me, I just didn't have the body for it. I was six eight, but I was a buck sixty, um, and I, I didn't have the body or the self belief, uh, which is which is kind of what has led me to where I'm at now, which is uh, just to work with you guys. Uh, I've been coaching for about fifteen years now, uh, between middle school and travel ball, uh, and working with player development, uh, ele elementary school. Uh, middle school, high school kids, and uh, really just here to uh, help you guys to be an advocate uh, and champion for your future. That's great, Chris. Thank you. Um, and that's a great segue to kind of what our first question that I had for you guys is um, around young players and, and establishing a strong, um, a strong foundation of skills and, and fundamentals too. So, um, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll kick it to, uh, to Brandon first. Brandon, as you're working with young kids, what, what, are, what do you think are the most important foundational fundamentals that, that young kids from the time, whether or not they're five years old or eight years old, if it's their first time picking up a basketball, what are, what, what are those skills that they need for a strong foundation? Well, you, you've got to be able to, to handle the basketball. And you, in addition to handling the basketball, you've got to have strong movement skills. And that's something that, that I work a lot on in terms of footwork and handling the basketball and combining those two things together because it's so important not only to be able and my when I'm talking about ball handling I'm not talking just about dribbling the basketball I'm talking about being able to take the ball from the dribble and passing it being able to take the ball off the dribble and, and taking a shot so ball skills and footwork and just movement skills those are the things that, that we really focus on with young players because if you don't have those foundational skill elements you know we can shoot all we want we can show you all the euro steps we want and we can do all these things but if you don't have the foundational elements of ball skills movement skills uh and just athletic skills it's really hard uh, to translate those those skills into games so um but ball skills to me along with footwork are just paramount mm -hmm. uh, yeah i completely agree how about uh jj or ross you guys have anything to add to that question uh yeah I, um i would say uh brandon hit it uh the nail right on the head there i, I completely agree with what he said um, one of the things that um, I like to throw in there, especially with the younger kids, I have um, some preschool hoops, kids, toddler ages from three to five that we just introduced the game to. And uh, one of the things that I want to do is make sure we start off with them having fun with the game, having a fun experience, um, because that'll draw them in a little bit more. And then at that point, it's, it's yeah, basic fundamental skill stuff, um, making sure that they can handle the ball, right hand, left hand, um, being able to catch, pass, you know, all those fundamental things. Because I think if you have a great foundation, uh, you can build a mansion off of that. But um, that foundation is very, very important. Mm -hmm. Ross, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I would agree with what both those guys said so far. Um, you know, anything that I do with beginners, it's going to be footwork related. It's going to be pivoting, jump stops. 
if they're if they're brand new to the game. And honestly, even my high school guys, we we start a majority of practices with just uh, basic footwork and, and things like that. Um, you know, obviously, like both of them said, handling the ball and then passing and catching is is just a huge one. Uh, and and again, that goes all the way up through high school. I mean, you can have good players that that need to work on passing and catching the ball and how to effectively pass, how to effectively catch in position and having your footwork set and all that. And then I love what JJ said, uh, especially for a young player, you gotta have, gotta let them have fun with the game mm-hmm. because if they don't find it enjoyable, then they're not going to continue to come back uh, mm-hmm. to it and want to get better. You know, that idea around fun, I want to have a, I want to ask you guys a question that's going to kind of come back around to, to, to the idea of, of workouts needing to be fun. Uh, and that question would be, um, as the kids, kids go out in, into their driveway or into a gym on their own, um, obviously it's necessary, I believe, and I would use you know, like the necessity of like doing the same things and getting reps kind of with the same skill, maybe even doing the same drills. Um, what are your guys' thoughts around that concept of doing the same drills and practicing the same skills over and over and over again? mixed with fun, you know, because that's not always the fun thing to go out there and do the same drill that you've done every single day the day before. So how do you, how do you guys see that as finding that balance between getting reps and doing the small details and little things versus workouts needing to be fun? Brandon, I'll kick it to you first. Well, I mean, honestly, it's not just kids that need to be, and another word for fun to me is stimulated. We have to stimulate our players and we have to keep them interested. I mean, even with Stephen Curry, I still have to find ways to keep them stimulated and and find ways to get reps of the same skill concept in different um, in different areas. So, you know, we we kind of operate off of a systematic progressive, systematic organized and progressive method. So it's taking the same stationary ball handling movement and then adding footwork to it taking that same stationary ball handling movement adding footwork to it now adding a space creating element and getting shots and then it's taking all those things and gamifying it putting it into a time and score situation putting it into a situation where um, players are, are in a reactionary element so they're not just repping over and over and over again there's got to be some sort of reaction because then we're getting into keeping their brain stimulated the more we can keep them stimulated the more enjoyable it is for them the more the body's going to be willing to learn and, and, and to kind of use a big term is it's hyperplasticity it's just getting the brain loose and the more the brain is, is stimulated the more the player is going to learn and even from six years old up until 11 year old 11 year NBA vets the same thing applies you got to enjoy it you got to be stimulated while you're going through those reps. Mm-hmm. So I, I think Brandon just mentioned a lot of good things about stimulation. I love that. I love the wording of it. Um, Ross and, and, and JJ, from your experiences working with kids, what are some ways that you, um, I mean, before we hopped on this call, we talked about different ways of, of competing. What are some ways that you guys encourage your kids during workouts? Or what are some things that if you would advise a kid right now, hey, if you go out into the driveway and you're practicing this, what are some ways that they can get creative and, and, and stimulate themselves as they go through a workout on their own? JJ Ross, you guys have any thoughts around that? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think uh, just creating some different competitions if they can, I think like uh, Brandon alluded to a little bit of, of taking specific skills, which might be simple skills and, and trying to work on them in different ways. And, you know, you might need a, if you're a younger player, you might need a, an adult or a coach to kind of help you out with some of those, but, also, the beauty about basketball is the creativity behind it and the creativity that you can make within the game. Um, and so if there's uh, ways that you can take a simple shooting competition and turn it into a competition against yourself, uh, whether it's 
in that session that you're working or, you know, over the course of a week's time or a month's time, um, anything like that. I think those are, are big things. And that, that gives you that measurable that you can then see yourself getting better at. And then when you see yourself get better at it, that's when some of that confidence starts to develop and you want a little bit more of it. Um, and, and that's sometimes the trickiest thing in the game of basketball, right, is there's a lot of kids who might have a lot of similar skills, but that kid who's maybe just a little more confident in what he can do um, is the one who might stand out a little bit more. And I think, you know, by, by creating some of those just different competitions within skills, I think you can learn to develop some of that confidence. Mm-hmm. JJ, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I, I guess I'll, I'll just kind of piggyback on what both those guys said. I, I think um, being progressive in what you're doing um, and, and just trying to do, you know, the same drills in different variations, right? I mean, one of the things that I do with some of our players, especially at the beginner stage, is, you know, stationary dribbling, right hand and left hand, right? But once you get a good feel for that, you can maybe find a wall or, or find something where you can maybe three, four feet away from and get to that wall as fast as you can, dribbling with the right hand, touching the wall with the left. And you can even throw in some time in that where you're saying, okay, let's see how many times I can touch that wall in 30 seconds, right? And then compete against yourself. You know, you really don't need anybody else. If you touched it 10 times in 30 seconds, okay, let's see if I can get it 12 times now. Let's see if I can get it, you know, 15. And just kind of play with that. There's a bunch of different variations. You can add one change of direction in there and do it. Um, And then, you know, just, you know, different basic fundamental stuff, whether it's right hand, left hand, figure eight drills, spider drills, you know, all different types of things to kind of push yourself to, um, you know, get better and better and, and get it harder and harder as best you can. And like Ross said, I think um, once you find yourself improving, that confidence is going to build. You know, I have a saying, if you work to be the best, you can expect to be the best. So I think that's something that you can kind of, you know, push yourself to every time, you, even when you're by yourself. Yeah. I, I love, I've always loved the concept of having kids compete against the clock, compete against their last score or, how many shots did it take you to finish this drill and, and how much time? And um, like you, like you guys all kind of alluded to being creative when it comes to stimulation is, is, is a big key component that I think uh, young people need to be encouraged to do and actually need to be taught. And, and if we've got parents on this webinar, um, encourage your kids to get creative and, and compete against themselves. Now, what, um, what advice do you guys have for, for both parents and, and kids that are on this? Maybe they're young, but, what happens when they go into a workout and they're not seeing the progress that like, I've been doing this, you know, this drill for like the last two days, I've been doing it for the last like week and I can't beat my score. And that, and, and frustration, I know for me personally, when I was going through, you know, my driveway workouts and competing against my brother, like frustration got the best of me at times. Um, Brandon, I'm kind of interested from your, from your experience working with the guys at the pinnacle of this sport. Um, how do they handle frustration in workouts? Well, you know, it, it, you know, I have a saying I, I tell players all the time, you have to look past the drill and you have to look at all of the elements of improvement that can happen within a drill. And you can't be so end result oriented. If we're living and dying with every single shot we take, our confidence is going to be up and down, up and down. We've got to find that, that medium ground. And the only way that you can learn how to look past the, the end result of the drill is you have to ask questions. And I, I tell players, whether it's NBA guys, college guys, or high school players, this all the time. The one thing that Stephen Curry has done for 10 years, and he's done it better than any other player I've ever worked with, he asks the best questions. And he asks the question with the intent of, of really absorbing the information, absorbing the answer, and then he goes and researches the answer himself. And learning how his body, learning all the different things in terms of balance, in terms of acceleration, deceleration, dynamic stability, all of these are physical elements of skill drills 
that can be improving even if the skill is, is, is a little bit tough or the skill that the player is having a hard time really perfecting that skill. There are movement elements and movement skills that are improving. So just learning how to extract every bit of improvement out of every drill, not being completely in result oriented, especially in workouts, will help you find that middle ground from a confidence standpoint so you're not so high, so low, because that can be exhausting mentally. You know, if you get really hot in the workout, you feel great, then, you know, the next 10 shots might not go in and that, that can be exhausting. So just learning to look past the drill, asking questions and really absorbing the, inf- the answer and the information. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's great advice. And I think and I've, I've been around Steph Curry for, for a long time and seen him play up close. And that's one thing that's always struck me is he's never too high. He's never too low. Um, not, with the way he's raised, it comes naturally to him. But I think, I think it's worth young kids coming to that realization of, yeah, you know, I might compete, I might lose, but you know, the, the highs and lows are, if I can even those out as best I can, I'll, the better off I'll be as a player. Um, JJ, I'm going to kick it to you real fast. And just to kind of give everybody a backstory, you've, I know your backstory, you're playing, you were, you were overlooked at every single level, you know, middle school, high school, college, and the pros. And you always, your story after hearing it, you know, you didn't, you were disappointed at the beginning and you worked your way to getting better in middle school. You went to high school, you didn't play a lot and you were disappointed and you worked your way. College, same thing. You didn't play very much your, your first couple of years and you worked your way up. Talking about the frustration part of, of working out and I knew, I know your work ethic too. So as you were going through all those periods of frustration, how did you, how did you handle that? What was your mentality taking that frustration when you went onto the court by yourself and worked out? Uh, actually, um, yeah, man, you hit it right on, man. I was a guy that had to just kind of grind my way through. Um, but I actually used that as motivation. Um, you know, when I wasn't getting the the time I wanted on the court, um, I was one of those players that would really sit back and look at the guys that were playing and the things that the coach was asking and figure out how I can incorporate that and show the coach that so I could get on the floor, but also how can I get better at certain things. Um, at, at my younger ages, I wasn't the greatest shooter. So I knew that was something that I had to work on. So, so I would focus on those areas where I felt like or where I thought were keeping me from playing and getting better, and I would really work on those things. Um, I also um, utilized what I call the Miyagi effect, you know, the, the, the wipe on, wipe off. It seems like that's not really doing anything initially, right? But stay the course, and before long, you're able to incorporate that, and you're going to see it. Um, the effects of what you're doing is going to show in your game. And that's kind of what happened for me. You know, I just kind of stayed the course, stayed focused, and just continued to have a determination to be able to reach my goals, whether it be in season or, you know, long haul. And um, I, think, I think that's one of the things that I was able to do, um, use what I wasn't getting that I felt that was, if it was playing time, if it was um, the amount of made shots, if it was, you know, able to break the defense down, whatever it was, I was using that as motivation, as areas to really improve my game. And I uh, just kind of stayed the course. <clears throat> yeah. JJ, you brought up a good point that I'm going to kick it to Ross and then Brandon, I'll come to you with this one. But um, Ross is a high school coach in Denver right now. Um, how do you balance what you want your kids to work on versus what maybe they see Steph Curry doing on TV? You know, so you, you might have a guy that, you know, he's your, he's your wing and you want you need him to do this in your offense, but he's, out, you know, practicing step back threes that you're never going to want him to shoot as a coach. So how do you balance that, um, that desire as a coach and then how can you communicate with players and how can players communicate with their coaches when it comes to like what they in particular need to work on from a skill development standpoint? 
Sure. Yeah, that's that's always a challenge. I mean, everybody's, you know, watching the game in different capacities and then you come into your team or they come into my team and uh, might be a, a certain way that I want them to do things. Uh, kids who play for me probably have a whole lot more freedom than um, uh, a lot of kids elsewhere. I'm a, I'm a very open coach with that kind of stuff and I, I want them to kind of explore things and see what works. I also uh, communicate very clearly with them kind of what we expect and, you know, what does a good possession look like? What does it look like when when you yourself make a good play um and and then I, I i try to give them freedom to to do some things within the framework of our team concepts and if if somebody goes out and makes a a, a great move and is successful with it and and i see that they can do that you know time and again well well great let's you know that's something that we can try to incorporate into what we're doing um and and, and i think that the, they then enjoy playing that much more with it um at the same time, you can't let everybody just have ultimate freedom out there. Uh, so, you know, there are things you have to rein in. And I think a lot of that comes from just having the kids trust me as a coach um, and, and knowing that I'm trying to put them in the best situation for us to be successful. Um, and, and there's, you know, a lot of times a 16-year-old kid that I might have, he might watch something that an NBA guy is doing and think, oh, man, I can do that. And he might go out and practice or just on his own. He might be able to be successful with it four or five times in a row. But it it might not necessarily be the thing that makes us successful in the next game. Mm -hmm. And so it's trying to rein some of that in where, you know, getting that kid to understand, yeah, that's great that you can do that. Continue to work on those kind of things, continue to find that creativity, but this is what we need as a team uh, right now. And, and this is what I need you to do. And that might be as simple as I don't need you to make that move and go score. I might want you to swing the ball to the other side and try to get something on that side or, um, you know, mm -hmm. get the ball to wherever it is that we want it. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a fine balance, I think, all the time. But uh, I, I think the more you can communicate with kids and just set the expectations of what you want. And then, like I said, I'm, I am all for, I give kids, I, I, this is my thought, is I try to give them ultimate confidence, every single one of them ultimate confidence. And then it, in, my, in my book, it's much easier to dial it back rather than halfway through the season. I got a bunch of kids that I told exactly what to do all, all the time, every single possession. And now I need someone to be confident and I'm trying to pull it out of them. Um, mm -hmm. So that's just kind of the way I look at it as the coach. Yeah, that's interesting. Thanks, Ross. Brandon, I'll kick it to you. But, um, kind of from a different standpoint, like how with your work with all the NBA guys and your college guys, um, so two-part question, what role do their coaches, their team coaches play and what you do with their players? And then on the flip side, what, what advice would you give to young kids when it comes to like, Hey, they see Steph Curry doing all these things and his crazy workouts. Um, do you advise them? How do you advise them to approach workouts, keeping in mind what their team coach might want them to do? Sure. Um, the, the team coach and the team structure is very important, even whether it's, it's high school, college, or, or even at the NBA level. It's, you know, the, the, the role of the skill trainer is to try to, you know, develop the player as fully as they possibly can. But when you get into drills and things, you have to help the player understand that they can't really operate too far outside of what the coach is asking them to do because they're overstepping their lines and it affects the other four guys on the court. So understanding the role that the coach wants them to play, understanding the kind of the leeway that the coach will give them outside of the, you know, the little bit of, of stretch room outside of that role um, is very important. And, and as, as a skills trainer, when you're getting players ready for the season, you have to keep that in mind, even with Stefan, you know, but the, the, he's got the ultimate green light. So I got a little bit of, I got a little bit of room there and Trey Young does too. 
but, you know, with Damian Lee, one of my guys, you know, we understood getting ready for the year what his role with the Warriors was going to be this year and, and the things that he needed to do to be successful within that role. So that's what we really worked hard on. That doesn't mean we didn't work on other things. We still have to work on becoming a well-rounded player, and we have to work on expanding your skill set so that your role can expand. But you have to keep in mind what your coach is, is going to expect from you and how you can best operate in a team concept because it's a five-on-five game. It's not a one-on-one game. And so um, it's, it's very vital for players to have an open uh, line of communication with their coaches to let them know what they're working on and, and ask their coaches what they would like for them to work on, because that's very important. Your coach controls your playing time, not your trainer. So you have to, you've kind of got to, you've got to defer to your coach a little bit from that standpoint. Um, in terms of players watching Steph's workouts, and the, the, the first thing I would say is, you know, he's not normal in any way, shape, or form. Nothing he does is normal. Um, you know, that doesn't mean that we don't want you to try and, and go after the same shooting games and the same shooting concepts that we work on. But the reality is, I don't know of a single high school or college basketball player that needs to be shooting the ball from 35 feet. So with Stephen Curry, we have to shoot the basketball from 35 feet because that's what we're forced to do. And if he doesn't shoot that shot, it affects everything that they do offensively. Um, so, you know, understanding that it's okay to work on the same concepts as Stefan, but just realizing that in a lot of shots in the NBA are not good shots that are acceptable shots in the, at the NBA level are not good shots at the high school level. And they're not even really good shots at the college level. As a high school and a college player, you've got to be able to score with two dribbles, two, three, and you might stretch it to a third dribble if you're lucky, but if you can't score within two dribbles, you just can't score. So trying to do a lot of the heavy dribble combinations that we do is probably not the best thing to do at that level uh, to make Make your coach happy. Makes me feel good to hear you say that, Brandon. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got sons too that I have to explain the same yeah, stuff. To, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I do want to kick it to Chris. Chris has been kind of monitoring our, our, our Q and A dialogue, and he says he's got a few questions ready to go. Chris, what, what do you got for us? Yeah, man, I've got uh, I've got I mean, I've got a bunch of questions over here. Uh, I got three really good ones. One, one player. Uh, question from a player and two from uh, parents, which are which are really good questions. So I, I'll start with the player question just to follow up what Brandon was talking about with um, uh, Steph and his 35-foot shots. Um, Liam Waybright asks, at what age should someone start practicing three-pointers? Cool. Brandon, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, my thoughts is there's not necessarily an age. It, it's going to be every player is going to develop differently physically. And, you know, there are some, you know, nine-year-olds that are comfortable shooting to that 19-foot, nine-inch mark. And if they can shoot it with good mechanics and it's repeatable mechanics and it's an, it's a, it's an effortless shot for them, they're ready. There might be some 12-year-olds that can't get to that 19-foot, nine-inch mark with repeatable mechanics and, and shoot it comfortably. So it's player to player. It's all about being able to have relaxed, repeatable mechanics. You're not muscling up. You're not throwing the basketball. And for me, you know, we, we say if, if you're shooting against air, if you can't hit six out of ten against air, you probably shouldn't be taking that shot in the game. So if you're shooting, you know, in your driveway or if you're shooting with your trainer or just shooting in the gym, if you're not hitting at least 60% of those shots against air, it's probably not a shot you should be taking in the games. And even as you get up in the high school and college area, I would say if you're not hitting seven to eight out of ten of every every shot, every ten you take against air, you're probably not going to be a very good game shooter. So you kind of have to hold yourself accountable. you got to give yourself some kind of benchmarks to hit before you start moving out to those shots in games. But the biggest thing, mechanics are so very, very fragile. 
if you cannot shoot with relaxed, repeatable mechanics, it is not a good shot for you to take. Mm -hmm. Well, since Brandon brought up the um, the concept of shooting, uh, I'm going to kick it to Ross for a second. Ross was um, one. I mean, he he made money by being able to shoot the basketball from the three point range at an extremely accurate level. So, Ross, can you talk with people about your experience when it comes to shooting and how you started at a young age and how you kind of gradually began to to move back and start shooting longer shots? Sure. I mean, I was uh, fortunate to be uh, the son of a coach and I had older brothers as well who, who played basketball. So I basically grew up in a gym. Um, so, you know, I always had a ball in my hands uh, and was always shooting. And I actually say this one thing that my dad did uh, for me when I was about, I was probably like five years old. Uh, you know, we had the hoop that was on our garage, but then we had a fence that was right there. And he actually built, a, a, you know, out of two by fours and a wood backboard, full size rim and built it at, you know, I, I don't know what it was to start, let's say six feet. Um, but it was a low enough position where I could learn to accurately shoot, like Brandon's saying, with that repeatable action that was relaxed. And, uh, you know, it became a thing for me where it's, okay, yeah, I can shoot on this hoop. I can step a little bit farther back and I still have good form. And then as each year went on, he would raise it up a little bit. He'd add in a couple uh, new two by fours. And, and so then I'd start shooting on, you know, maybe an eight foot hoop. And that's not to say that I wasn't shooting on a 10 foot hoop as well. I mean, I, whenever I get in the gym, that's what I was shooting on. But um, that was just something for me that helped. And not everybody has that advantage to go, you know, go back and, and, and do that. Um, but I, I mean, I totally agree with, with what Brandon said. It's just a, if you can be relaxed enough to shoot that thing and, um, you know, you understand the, the fundamentals and the concepts behind it. And, and like he said, if you are able, if you're a nine-year-old, if you're able to step back and shoot it with that consistency, then, then great. And you know, I've seen plenty of kids that I've coached uh, over the last seven years. And, you know, I've, I've coached our third graders all the way up through our 11th graders. And I have some third graders who, who can do that. Uh, and then, like Brandon said, I have some sixth, seventh graders who can't just quite do that yet. And so I think sometimes we get so caught up in, in ages of things. And it's, it's uh, to, to Brandon's point, it's the, it's the skill level, right? It's, it's you know, where are you at in your skill development? Uh, rather than thinking about, uh, hey, you're in fifth grade, you should be shooting this. No, because that's mm -hmm. just not, not how yeah. it goes. And I mean, you might have, uh, I have high school kids who've improved a ton over the last, you know, year or two, and maybe couldn't shoot that well a year and a half ago. And now they're shooting relatively consistently. So mm -hmm. I just that's cool. Help.